0: Hey everybody, hope you're all doing well. Thank you as always for listening to in That Trash. I'm going to keep it really brief because it's a bit of a long episode this week. Only one thing I need to say going into it is I just want to clarify, again, I've, I've said it before, but just for complete clarification, Steve refers to me as Ethan in this because that is my real name, and it would be super lame and awkward, and I don't want Steve to call me my stage name, which is Henry. I go by Henry, sir, on stage, and I'm sure we can talk about this another time. This kind of defeats the purpose of having a stage name. I understand that, but it's fine. I just wanted to make it very clear for those that weren't familiar that, yes, it's a stage name. It's not the real name that I go by outside of comedy. So if there is any confusion, that explains it. Honestly, that's all I wanted to say before we get into it because, uh, as I said before, it's a bit of a long one, but it's a good one. I had a lot of fun this week. I know Steve did too. So really, thank you, as always, uh, to do the stupid mandatory... If uh, if you want to subscribe, we sure would appreciate it. All that fancy algorithm mumbo-jumbo everybody's talking about. It it goes a long way. So if you do feel comfortable or cool subscribing, sharing with your friends, we really do appreciate it. But uh, mainly, we, we just love getting the feedback from you guys and really appreciate you listening. So without any further ado, we'll just get into it. Here we go. you about this before, and something we really do enjoy is the feedback, get a lot of people saying they enjoy it or whatever, that's always great, but also we don't want to shy away from criticism, it's not the, uh, it's not the sir way, uh. <laughs> um, but really I do appreciate constructive criticism too, and one thing, just yesterday, Canada Day, holiest day of the year, I was talking with some really good friends, love these guys, really close with them, they mean a lot to me, and I really appreciate their honest feedback, but they were saying with the show being called Talking That Trash, they don't feel like we talk enough trash because we agree with each other on pretty much everything. And to a degree, I get it. On one hand, I kind of feel it's like talking that trash is more... Generally, we're just kind of sitting around talking shit. That's really all we're doing. But like I said, I don't want to shy away from anything like that either. And if that's what those guys want... I don't want to do the ESPN. I know you don't either. Like You make a point. I say the complete opposite and vice versa. Yeah. But if they want more shit talk, then I guess really where it begins for me is shit talking friends. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> who the fuck do these guys even think they are? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just I just hate that kind of guy that's just like, "Hey, I'm not doing it, but I'm going to tell you how to do it better."
1: Yeah, I I don't know who these guys are. I I think I've met them.
0: I mean, they're not really worth introducing to anybody from <laughs> my vantage point.
1: No, I I I know like this is a lot of this is going to be satirical. Um, because I know who these friends are that you're talking about. And yeah, this is meant to be a joke. Yeah. They're wonderful people. I love them. But yeah, point taken. If you want to talk, talk shit about like, well, you know what you should do on your podcast? Like, well, you know what you should do on your podcast is get one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, it, yeah, it's funny. Cause there's certain things you just can't do on a podcast. Like you can't disagree on everything. It's really, it's annoying. not the skip Bayless, Stephen, a thing where it's like, I'm going to take an angle that's, so much that I'm actually like having to feel uncomfortable, or I'm actually having to like say what I just don't believe, yeah, in order to make it work. Uh, yeah, like we'll use the Stephen A. Skip Bayless angle of like actually saying LeBron James is bad or something like that.
0: I know one guy says LeBron's probably the best player of all time, and then it's not just that he's not the best player of all time; he's actually the worst yeah. player. It of offends all
1: time. me that you think that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's difficult for us to do.
0: Because we really do genuinely agree on things. Like We come from the same household. We have many of the same interests. And there there have been times while we've been recording, I'm like, should I just disagree for the sake of it? But it just feels slimy. So jokes aside, when I say the whole F those guys, I don't mean it. Their, their, their feedback was genuinely appreciated. I just thought it would be fun, too, if they want more shit talking to just talk shit about them yeah, I think we should We should
1: turn the shit talking to just towards specific people.
0: Yeah, i let their names on, this, on the next one and just all the dirt I have on them and just try and episode <laughs> by episode ruin their lives little by little. Um,
1: but we do get good feedback. like Yeah, and,
0: and that feedback too is great. I do appreciate
1: it. Yeah, we, we do get good feedback. We've had uh, like multiple interesting things from a specific friend of ours, uh, Reagan Wood, who listens. And he's had great stuff because we've talked about things that are like right up his alley, basketball, Seinfeld, George Costanza. And he's a savant on those things. So Truly. yeah, so he gave us uh, he gave us some interesting stuff um, that that we missed. But as far as your friends go, I got nothing for Pieces you. Pieces of shit. Yeah, they're low. Yeah, low lives.
0: Um, let's get into the hot takes because you you forgot.
1: I had a good hot take. I swear on it, and I didn't write it down. And then.
0: I will say this, for a hot take, I wish you'd commit a little harder.
1: I know, I'm pretty bad on it. Every week I suck.
0: It's tough to come in saying, I got a hot take, and then be like, "Nah, I mean, it's kind of not that good. It's like, well, well, it's not a hot take anymore. That, that is what I said last week. It's a freezing yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. Not even yeah. a take, it's just cold. Ice cold take. So you just forgot this week.
1: I feel like I had something that was worth mentioning, and then uh, I lost it. So it's, oh. it's, yeah, it's bush pretty bush league. I don't know. I, I could say this isn't a hot take, but I'll throw this out there because, I mean, it's on and clearly it's on because somebody wanted it. But this is even a hot take. Maybe this is just, just a correct observation. The new Will Ferrell movie on Netflix that is like was played out 10 years ago that's back.
0: Eurovision?
1: Yeah, Eurovision, where it's like now I'm playing a dude from Iceland who's in a keyboard band and Rachel yeah. McAdams is with me in this revolving door of second stars yeah and it's like i thought this was done and when it was done it was like a bloody corpse like they beat that thing oh man to hell when it was that
0: was a character from a secondary character from ozark was that career trajectory
1: i didn't i mean i so you could go with maybe the hot take of like i didn't like talladega knights i really didn't like blades of glory i love anchorman step brothers was all right yeah but I feel like there was other... I wasn't... Even though it's a basketball movie, I wasn't that into semi-pro.
0: I didn't like that movie.
1: I just kind of thought it was like, oh, just okay.
0: I think that is a hot take, to be honest. Because I feel, as people, were such revisionists with everything we do in history. So, the more and more people look back on the catalog that is rightfully celebrated of Will Ferrell, they will be more and more like, oh man, Blades of Glory was sick. It was so funny. But... I, I yeah would you, would you watch it again no shocker no. I'm agreeing with you on this one and I, I I what I I think a lot of Will Ferrell's movies by the end of it were just irritating because it was the same formula it's like he does this kind of obscure weird thing where he's the best in the world at it be that as a news anchor or a skater like a a, a figure skater and he's on top of the world Something happens with a rival and he's now on the bottom of the world and he has to, against all odds, get back to the top of the world. And it always was just a weird character with weird hair and weird manners, but the same thing over and over and over again. And it just got played out. And now that seems, I watched, Kaylee and I watched five minutes, like, yeah, let's give it a whirl. Go down memory lane. Five minutes, are like, oh, this sucks. This isn't worth it. We're going to watch no. a really depressing documentary about elephants getting slaughtered on Netflix instead or something. I'd classify that as a hot take.
1: Yeah, I'm not into it. I I just I saw that come up and there was a preview for it. And I was like, I could not be more disinterested in this because it's just I feel like it's been seen and it wasn't even that good before. Like Anchorman Two was was bad. I, I know had people, to turn it off yeah. because it was embarrassing. I went to the theater to see it, and I kind of wish I had that money back.
0: Um, it was a huge deal too because it was, was a big and, deal. and it was. I was worried right off the back because I actually, when I saw Anchorman the first time in theaters, I pissed myself. Like may yeah, as great. well have been literally just shat a brick. It was funny. Um, but then as Will Ferrell to me started getting a little bit more obnoxious, I really liked the roles he had as the secondary characters. Like an uh, old school Frank the Tank, unbelievable. Wedding Crashers, not a good movie, and is aged horribly but his scene is Chaz or whatever his name is yeah, that's it's great. still hilarious that's yeah, the best part but the ones where he was starring and I just thought they were they were uh they were stiff and I kind of associated Anchorman with those unfairly because I went back and watched the first one it's still really funny yeah it's great but watching the second one literally to me I was like it just reminded me of a bunch of sixth grade class clowns who were just giving carte leblanche like hey you guys can do a skit for the whole school and they just were like well let's just act like idiots and do those zaniest, silliest thing after the other. And five minutes in, it was just similar to the Eurovision thing. It was, and I think it was on a flight I was watching. Even for a flight, I was like, this is unacceptable.
1: I think anytime, and I don't know, the outtakes of that movie, like the bloopers, are really good. But that, yeah. that's a, like a six-minute video, and it's better than the movie.
0: I enjoyed reading about it. They had that Rolling Stone article. Just kind of talking yeah, about all those that. kind of powerhouses at the time. Um, with Will Ferrell, Steve Carell. I, I don't know if I'm calling Paul Rudd a comedic powerhouse. But he's, a, he, he's a powerhouse. He's, a, he's,
1: <laughs> he's been in everything. And then also that Adam McKay was a director.
0: Well, and I'm forgetting his name. It's like David Kekner. I don't know how you pronounce it, but the guy who plays Todd Packer in The Office. He
1: he's, might be the funniest one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it, Todd Packer, which it, it's a shame we didn't touch more on Todd Packer in our Office episodes because that is truly a gift um no but I, I agree it's those kind of things have all that potential for being oh that that's cool to read about the making of process and seeing the deleted scenes or bloopers are going to be really fun but then you watch the movie itself you're like this fucking sucks
1: if the euro th- whatever it's called has bloopers i might skip it
0: yeah i mean it
1: i'm just kind of feel like i'm over
0: it it just didn't it, it just was kind of cringy to me when i was watching it like rachel mcadams and will ferrell just trying to be hilarious when it's not funny that's just very uncomfortable like especially as a stand-up we'll talk about more of those stuff later but i don't know if there's anything that makes me cringe more than someone trying to be funny and it just isn't funny that's i, I saw very that, cringy
1: i saw the one movie uh date night rachel mcadams was funny that movie was uh, funny.
0: I can't keep I'm going to say that movie... Nah, I want to say the movie sucks. He's like, ah, it's brutal. It's a good nah, movie. It's a funny movie. Especially now that I'm early 30s, it's, it's more relatable. It's low-key, like yeah.
1: really under the radar funny.
0: I can't... I, I don't need to watch movies anymore about... We got a weekend away from the evil professors. So let's try and get it in as much as possible. I'm like, oh, I just feel like a predator now. Like, yeah, give me a movie about awkwardly trying to avoid the neighbor you don't like so you can have friends to come over and play board games and it becomes something really funny i enjoyed that movie a lot
1: yeah me too it really just kind of popped up out of nowhere and i enjoyed it and it helps when like jason bateman always plays jason bateman
0: a little stern little disapproving of the nonsense that's going on yep
1: yeah, yet always in the middle of the nonsense always
0: in the middle of not and not quite just yelling at a but guys i don't know about this I don't know if that's a great. I don't know if you should do that. Has
1: anybody thought about this and then he's like getting shot or beaten to death or who knows what.
0: <laughs> well, I looked it up after and I was like it's kind of a weird ragtag group of friends cuz his two other couple friends they're all like 30 to 34. The guy's like 51.
1: Yeah, Jason Bateman's not young. Yeah,
0: it's like come on, man. Jason
1: Bateman was Teen Wolf when Michael J. Fox, I think, passed, yeah, passed on the sequel. he was
0: he and he uh he was in the sequel and it was hot trash as well. Yeah, it was bad. An institution of film just disgraced by uh, Michael Bluth.
1: But we're getting off topic.
0: We are, but that but that that was a good hot take though. That it, yeah, essentially not interested. Yeah, my hot take, and this should surprise absolutely no one if you know anything about me and my passion for American flag clothing. I don't even know if it's a hot take. It might just, again, be more of a scientific fact. But I think the American flag sweatpants is the single funniest article of clothing in the history of mankind.
1: I'll take that a step further. It's the most diverse article of clothing. Because I don't think there's anything that you can turn into more things that has been turned into more things than the American flag. How do you mean? It can be a G-string. It can be a hat. And it can be a can of beer. It can be like a carrying case for your shotgun. Like, it's it's everything.
0: I have American flag sweatpants myself, and it could be a quilt you put over a king-size bed. Those things are wide. And I've always had an interest in them, and it was very nice to be validated through Rex Kwon and Napoleon Dynamite. That was such a special treat, because when we were younger, our brother Sam and I, we played on a community league basketball team in Edmonton, and there would just be this one dad who was like this blue-collar Edmonton guy but always wore American flag sweats to the game. And even at a young age, like being 10, being like, why is this guy wearing the American flag?
1: And does anybody else think this is really funny? I don't think anyone thought it was funny. That's what's so weird because they sold them at Deja Vu in West Edmonton Mall, which was like... I don't even know how you would describe the store to people now. So it's, it just sold a lot of crap. It
0: was West Edmonton Mall personified. It was
1: I'd West say. Edmonton Mall in the nineties. Yes. Where they were selling band shirts. So if like you were into like rock bands, which we were at the time, and you wanted to like get a cool Nirvana shirt. Some R Lady P shirts. Sure, why not? Get an American flag but sweatpants. But the thing there. was is like the American flag sweatpants were the first thing you saw when you entered the store. Because they were on the rack at the door. Oh, yeah. And they were always there. And it wasn't a clearance rack.
0: Yeah, like number one seller. Like corporate got at them. Like, guys, you need to push these. Yeah. Like,
1: people might try and steal them because they're so accessible. And you never miss them. And then I remember when you guys were into it, I said, like, well, there's a spot in West Ed that sells these. Yeah. And it was like telling someone that you could go, like, pick up plutonium somewhere for free.
0: I just couldn't put it together how anyone would care about the flag that much. Like, I need to wear this son of a bitch. And then when we got them, it was pretty great. My friend Chris and I picked up a pair each, and it was pretty fulfilling. But the older I get, the funnier I honestly find it of, um, I don't know what is with the American infatuation that I will never stop finding hilarious of, not to get political, but there's obviously a whole thing about don't disrespect the flag. That's such a big thing in the States. But at the same time, wear it all the time like you said have it wedged up your ass in a g-string when you're out on the lake having a couple of you know champagne beers miller high life or whatever <laughs> samuel adams or some nonsense Wear it. have like a hawaiian shirt american flag thing and under that a shirt that says freedom and the letters freedom are in the star spangled banner and then american flag shorts and american flag sunglasses and everybody on their boats be playing like born in the usa and fortunate son even though those are are anti-american songs yeah i just find it funny man and i think i i I tried thinking about what's a more just outwardly funny article of clothing someone could wear and i don't think you can because what what's funny about The American flag sweats sweats, is how seriously people wear them. There's probably more funny, like goofy, like, ha ha, that's silly. People wear them with conviction.
1: I don't think you'd ever be able to convince anyone that Rex Kwon didn't wear them to the dojo that day. There was no irony in that. No, he came for business. Yeah. And he points it out. He says, what does he say? Roundhouse kick to the face wearing these bad boys. Yeah, like
0: because he's wearing the American flag sweats, that would make the roundhouse kick more painful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true, though. It's true, though. They're, fle- they're put flexible those on, pants. People put those on, and they're thinking, like, people are going to know. Like, I stand for freedom, and I'm not wearing a fucking mask.
1: Well, I'm also not limited. Like, a pair of jeans would limit my no. mobility. Like, oh. I'm free in those pants. Your Just, range of motion is yeah. remarkable. Just like what the flag stands for, your range of motion is, like, total freedom. Exactly. That's, that is that is perfect. Yeah.
0: The freedom you experience when you're in those flag sweats <laughs> <laughs> truly is the embodiment of America. Because you're like, I can take a nap in these. I could go work out, and I can just hang out with the guys, and I can
1: roundhouse kick a guy in the face. Yeah, and
0: if someone gets out of line, I can take him out.
1: There's that much freedom packed into those. Packs. That's
0: a great point. That just made my take even hotter. Yeah, I just
1: that was yeah. That's actually pretty good. I'm I'm happy with that one.
0: We should talk more about I think because it was just Canada Day, and in two days it's the Fourth of July. And Steve mm-hmm. and I and our family were uh, Steve was born in the states. I'm the only fucking purebred Albertan of the litter bud. I was born in Edmonton. Steve, Steve's from the Twin Cities. <laughs> Um, so our family is dual citizens. We've lived in both countries, and I think we have a pretty good perspective on both sides. Did you did you get up to anything for Canada Day, and will you be doing anything for the Fourth of July?
1: Well, I don't have American flag sweatpants to put on for the Fourth. The first mistake. Um, yeah, I, I do think it is hilarious. Just to, like have one more thing on the on the the flag pants of no country makes more of a big deal of desecration of the flag and then has their own citizens desecrate the flag. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's an incredible, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's an incredible...
0: Double standard, hypocrisy, blind spot. It's
1: definitely a, an incredible... Blind spot. F- an, in, an incredible fuck up. Like, it's just, it's bizarre.
0: Well, it's it's so, uh, it's so just intrinsic to that kind of culture, though, because what was Uncle Sam wearing? American flag sweats and like a hey, he's suit wearing with an a top American hat. flag, like disco suit. suit. Yeah. yeah, and there's like uh, stuff Donald Trump would be tweeting out of like Uncle Sam kneeling at a church praying. And it's like, <laughs> would you really just let some guy come in with an American flag suit? Although I say that, I feel like in Canada, I could come in wearing that and people would, like this Saturday, I actually have a party of a friend's for birthday party. And I'm like, I'm full. I also have an American flag unitard that I'm going to wear. <laughs> And I could wear that there, and it's like, ha-ha, that's funny. And five seconds later, it's like, what a loser. But if I wore that in the States, it would be like, oh, like, what are you dressing up for, pal? You, got a, you coming from a business
1: meeting sort yeah. of thing? Can I get you a beer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't have any plans for the 4th. Um, I'm very curious what the plans for the States are for the 4th, and if our boy uh, decides to do an epic ramble to celebrate the nation's independence. Here's the thing. I don't... Like being born in the states, having lived the majority of my life in Canada, I we we have a lot of friends in America and a lot of family that we really love. There's so many great parts about that country. Um, I went to college in the states. I love the United States, but it's also a gigantic um, heap of shit. There you go. That's <laughs> the so it, it's yeah it's it's an awfully confused place right now. Really, for me though, I mean, being up in Canada, the Fourth, I mean, it's cool, but like, there's, there's, I'm not gonna really get up to anything, you know. We'll go outside. Hopefully, the weather's cool. I don't have any American flag apparel. Well, again, that's so I, I, I don't think I have a shirt anymore with an eagle on it, and I'm not. That's disappointing. It is. I don't I think I'm is. have, I don't to have a bandana. Take your daughters out in the yeah, unitard
0: and do some fireworks so they have some respect for the greatest country in the goddamn world. That's fair.
1: Um, for Canada Day, we we inside because it was a real rainy day here in Edmonton. And we watched Home Game, which is a killer Netflix documentary about unique sports that are played in different countries around the world. It was awesome. I yeah. watched the Italian one twice yesterday.
0: I've watched that three times now because I watched it myself, told friends about it. We watched it. Then other friends came like, do you want to watch it again?
1: Man, I like.
0: Was it Calcio Storico?
1: Calcio Storico. And it was like I watched it in the morning. And I was just hanging out. And then my daughter came in and we were both like just glued to the TV watching it. And then the rest of the day I was like, Kate, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. And then we like got through an an episode of Orzogs and she was like, what do you want to do? And I'll watch another one. I was like, no, I want to watch Home Game again. So yeah, we we watched three of those yesterday. We watched the Storico one, which was great. I've been to Florence, which was awfully cool Mm -hmm. to see some of the shots of the city again. Then we saw the Highland Games. Which was really cool as well. And then the uh, free diving
0: in the Philippines. Yeah, those are the ones we watched. It's a well. solid candidate. This is the yeah.
1: first Canada Day I've had at home in four years. Uh, f- three years ago, I was in France doing some training and skill development stuff with some French players with uh, with my agent. Trader. Yep. It was in en Bresse which was really cool. And then two years ago, we were in Puerto Rico playing in a tournament. Trader. Yep uh and then last year we were at Hoopfest, driving home from uh u.s and day so
0: in america on canada day yeah that is unbelievable
1: yeah it's been a yeah a lot of a lot of dead bodies on that trail so (laughs) it's uh yeah the first time i've been home for a canada day in four years and it was it was nice to be home how about you what did you get up to
0: started off with the most canadian thing of all time didn't realize how canadian it was Till we were doing, Kaylee and I had to go get some uh, insulation fanatic and just ripping some coffee, double double, and uh, listen to the bear. And I was made for loving you by Kiss came on. What they play on the bear? Uh, well, it was that I was made for. Oh yeah, it, that's the only one we heard. And I realized it was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I just need to be wearing like a denim beret right now or something or yeah
1: did they play porn star dancing
0: i wish they played porn star dancing or like yeah great I don't know. canadian songs this afternoon by nickelback or something <laughs> 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 um so we started off strong and then came back it was yeah it was red rat- it was wet, rainy. Watched some Mozart, which was good. And then went to uh, went to buddy's house and sculled some coldies the Canadian way, which leads me to another question. Yeah, that's a good segue to get into. Yeah, something I was asking Steve before. We're both pretty big enthusiasts of Canadianisms, and I think they're underappreciated. I know what's that show called Letter Kenny? Yep. Big in the states now. So I've had some, be it family or friends from the states, text me and be like, "Is that actually how Canadians are?" And it's like, well, it's different because Canada's such a big country. Alberta, we're like. If you want to go with the cliche, like the Texas, kind of the redneck oil spot. So it's pretty strong here. And the sayings guys have are insane.
1: They're pretty good.
0: My favorite for drinking beer used to be crushing a few beer. Because there's a weird thing here where people, a lot of them, just drooling idiots, won't use the plural with beer. So they won't say, like, had a few beers last night. It's like, well, oh, oh. fucking ripped through eight beer last night. <laughs> <laughs> And I noticed that a few times, like, ah, he must have just forgot not to say S. Then, like, every kind of man's man, handlebar mustache, Harley Davidson shirt, even though he's never been on a motorbike guy in Edmonton, always talking about gist. And it can never be like, I drank a few at Hatch, but just fucking smashed 20 beer last night. Oh, but,
1: the, the unfortunate thing for the listeners is there isn't video of Ethan, because what he just described is exactly how he looks right now, of handlebar mustache yeah i do have a handlebar actually yeah
0: that's a hypocritical
1: yeah he's wearing a reflector vest right now <laughs>
0: yeah i got the steel toes on yeah
1: just got to keep them ready steel toe flip-flops
0: that's what you guys should do we'll talk about this more next week with Canada 3x3 you should get your own gear where it's basketball shoes that are designed like steel toes or something <laughs> <laughs> and get your jerseys to have yes yeah, safety vests on them but Those we... are. do you have more do you have more canadianisms you like
1: i always liked um the taking a leak thing when people would say they got to rock a piss i oh,
0: love rocking a piss that
1: like makes me laugh almost every time <laughs> especially when it's said serious like when you're on when we've been, we've been on a bunch of trips for 3x3 and someone will be like you know hold up boys gotta rock a piss and you're like <laughs> it just makes me laugh so it's I think that's a really solid one where people are... That'll actually be included sometimes in like a recap of a day. Like, what did you you do this morning? Well, you know, I I got up, got a workout in, made it to the office, rocked a piss. Yeah. You know, came back, sat down, ate lunch. And it's like, why the hell did you (laughs) include the going to the bathroom thing?
0: I feel like if you had boys and, say, ER at the end of something... It makes it so much more Canadian. So it's like, oh, the boys came over. Me and Steve are just
1: fucking or, ripped yeah. through a flat or, or a e. pilly. Stevie, yeah. Stever, Stevie, Stever, Steve O. Everyone's done. You can't Steve-O. really do
0: it with me. Um, they'll call you Ethy.
1: When guys get out of control, everybody's E.
0: I've had some Canadian soccer guys call me Sirzy, which Cersei. I did not appreciate. That's a hardcore. I did not appreciate it at all. Yeah, that's a hardcore one. I, but yeah, when people, if they were to say rock a piss, they just make it so much more like rock to pisser. or like I've heard some guys like, buddy, I got to rock a shitter right now. <laughs> Love that. I think you my, can rock
1: anything. Oh, you can rock. You can. That's do, what's great is you can rock anything. You can eat a
0: sandwich by rocking a sando rocking with the boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. This is Canadian for saying you have to make a U-turn is some guys call it flipping a shitty. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like quintessential blue-collar Canadian tuxedo I've never guy. I've, I, to be fair, it's kind of more of an urban legend for me because I feel like I've, I know enough guys who have said it that I believe it I've never experienced myself. The other one, that the, uh, speaking of which, I was telling you about a drink that's kind of hidden on the menu of Tim Hortons, apparently, and I haven't had the guts to ask someone working there because I've, I'm just afraid they'll think less of me, of you can either get a Great One or a Gretzky, and that's coffee with nine cream and nine sugar, and it's pretty tempting to just go out to one right now and be like, "Do you know what a great one is?"
1: I think I don't know why you're afraid to do that. Like I, I this is news to me. I, I don't know uh, what that is, but well, you look like I feel lunatic. like a lunatic. I guess
0: give me nine cream and nine sugar just so I can make a reference to Wayne or Gretzky. Like, give me a break.
1: I don't think you have to worry, depending on what Tim Hortons you go into, if, you, if you're looking like anything, to be, pr- to be quite honest.
0: That's true. Some of the boys might just be like, fucking rights, he gets it.
1: <laughs> That'll be too. Yeah. I think there's, there's some really good Canadianisms. These are just a couple of the ones from our area. I mean, that's the other thing to go through, too, is oh, we're such a big country, and we have so many different things going on from coast to coast that I'm sure if you went out to the Maritimes, they'd have yeah. a couple of real killers and how everything is air er, out oh, there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, what'd you do last night? Oh, we went hard. Went hard. Yeah.
0: Forgot where I parked my car. <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> I don't know why every guy has that graspy voice in Canada, but it's just what I think of, like having worked some blue-collar college jobs, like um, not to throw shade at blue-collar people at all. It's just I am not the personality for it. I actually enjoyed the work oftentimes, like ripping around on the forklifts and the landscaping and stuff. But I feel like that really kind of triggered what I've always had that fascination with uh, that American, American patriotic freedom. Everyone has their family picture in the States where it's all the kids wearing matching American flag shirts and the mom and dad wearing a different one that says freedom or something like that. I've always found that funny, but working the blue collar jobs when I got to college really exposed me my new ish obsession with the canadianity kind of thing and man i'll tell you i work at this place called canna rock products and you know this story can i i've told you about the guy with the vending machine
1: tell it it's a good story
0: this is my favorite and i feel like this is a good summarization of a lot of the people you encounter in alberta and still in edmonton as we talked about last week but so i'm working at this landscape supply place and it's like downstairs you got the lower yard and that's kind of where like The rough and tumble boys go down there and then when you're a little more polished you can actually speak to people without you know saying something incredibly offensive they'll put you up there so i would be there sometimes and this guy came by and he was just to the t it's like mid-july and this guy's wearing this gigantic wolf jacket with not just a wolf it's like i don't know what this wolf's gone through but it's pissed about something just rabies raging wolf and he's got the harley davidson hat and the stash and he sees that there's a vending machine and someone like gets a pop out of it and he's like oh you got one of those eh?" and i was like yeah and he's like oh, i'll tell you what i used to work at a place just like this and he told me the greatest story of all time he's like so i'm there uh, late one day and the boss rips up because it's always says out order on the vending machine so he comes up and he puts a key in it opens her up and it's got all this beer in it <laughs> and i'm like oh no way and he's like so next day i come in early break into his office steal the key empty out the vending machine and quit and it was just one of the best things I ever cuz like i'm laughing along like oh man what a story but i'm thinking like what the hell man like you work another 3 hours you can just go buy more yeah. beer
1: you can have all the beer you want pal
0: you're out of income and meaningful employment now but at least you got to tell the boys he swiped 18 beer from the boss and he's just a legend in like niscu or something now
1: if they don't have a statue up for him it's coming sometime yeah take down those three-part documentary coming
0: take down those confederate statues and put up statues of guys named wayne and rod (laughs) and edmonton for all the legendary beer fiascos and heists
1: yeah there's some good ones i mean what we'd love is if uh even those uh Low lives that gave you feedback at the beginning, oh, uh, yeah, guys. losers. Uh, if they have any good um, Canadianisms that we're missing here, because you had another one though of uh, drinking beer. Did you do your skull?
0: Skull and coldy said that at the top. You did that. At the top. Love the top. skull and coldies. Yeah, so
1: skull and coldies, rocking a piss, flipping pisser. pisser, flipping, flipping a, a shitty. shitty,
0: ordering a great one,
1: ordering a great one. Um, I feel like there's got to be at there's least tons. one more.
0: That legitimately, we, we say this on everyone, but I, I we could we could do a twenty-minute segment of an episode on this. Yeah. There's tons more. I find it interesting though, and having grown up between the two countries and limited time in the states, but enough to feel like I have a good grasp. or the how close we are, but how culturally different we really are. I feel is symbolized pretty accurately in how canada day and the 4th of july is celebrated because canada it's kind of like you know you might put on a shirt where someone will put on a red or white shirt that says canada no problem with that but in the states that's just what you wear when you go to bed that's flag day yeah but here sorry rather on the 4th of july though it's like taking it up 18 notches you're just out
1: Gotta gotta be on the lake
0: telling everyone why this is the greatest country in the goddamn world it's
1: like lakes get created for the fourth of july gotta be on the lake
0: yeah minnesota as a state was created for the fourth of july for optimal enjoyment on the lake ripping around on the wave runner and coming in for a brat having a bud light talking about how bernie sanders is a disgusting communist or something and then ripping back out for another lap.
1: that being said when you do live in the states the fourth of july can be a lot of fun totally um and yeah, if there are Americans listening, and there, there actually might be, um, we hope you have a fun fourth. Because all, I mean, again, like all this stuff is is, is as teasing. It's as, yeah, any, like anything has, is, is trying to make fun of the stuff that you would see. It's not like totally. we're making up that dudes decided to roll up in American flag vests. And it's not like we're making up that guys love their steel toes in Edmonton. No. Like that's, a fa- that's a fact. I, I said this last week, I think. That for sure I would get someone giving me the finger here in town. You get flipped off?
0: Twice. Oh man. Twice. And I'm not
1: driving much. Like this is the other thing. I'm not on the freeway going like 110. Yeah. I'm driving like to the grocery store going 50. Yeah. And I was same type of thing. I was going to change lanes and then I didn't. And the guy ripped by me and just had the bird cocked, like ready to go made no eye contact, which is the infuriating bird. I mean, don't don't
0: be a coward if you're gonna give the bird. don't look straight ahead like if that. you're gonna give the bird. Yeah.
1: And then the second one, he didn't really give me the bird, but you were in the car with me. Remember we were going to the storage spot?
0: Oh yeah, you got mean mugged hard.
1: And we were gonna switch lanes. No, no. We were going to the eco station. Yeah, yeah. So we're giving a pretty good Canadian story right now of like, how'd you spend your Saturday? Like, well I got all the stuff into the trunk and went to the eco station yeah. and just hung out. <laughs> So, (laughs) yeah, we just hung out at the Eco Station, made sure we disposed of our waste properly. Um,
0: Boys working harder, playing hard, what's going on here?
1: (laughs) But I was going to switch over into the lane waiting in the Eco Station, and that guy who had like a white skullet like drove by and mugged me so hard because he like sort of was inconvenienced. So like this is stuff that just happens here. It's not like we're going on a limb and making this stuff up. no. It's just part of the area. So when we point, when we kind of poke fun at uh, the Fourth of July stuff and the excess of American flags, it's in jest. We do love Fourth of July and we do love American people.
0: I I love making fun of that stuff. It's not to say we think Americans suck or America entirely sucks. It is what it is. It's a crazy situation. But I do always. It's always interesting. It's an interesting few days to be reminded of kind of the, for better and for worse, humility slash stiffness at times where it's. You're not really doing anything for Canada other than just getting gooned off Molson Canadian or something and then the complete excess of the states. And I feel like that's a pretty accurate depiction of the two countries. But I agree, man. Like I spend a lot of the time in the states uh, for comedy and stuff, and that's where all the opportunity is. So it's, I, I can just shit on it. But if there, I was just in L.A. before I had to come back to Canada before the states melted down entirely. So I, I don't want to just throw stones at them. I appreciate the country, too. All
1: right. That's enough qualifying.
0: Um, Seriously, qualifying we're, trash talk
1: Yeah, qualifying that trash <laughs> So we're going to talk a little bit about comedy um, This isn't obviously going to center around me Because my comedy experience is zero So we're going to talk a little bit about Ethan's experience in comedy um, Kind of thinking about how his interesting experiences Are pretty unique of having to go to different areas of Canada Different areas of the States um, work different clubs, do different shows, uh, refine your material. And yeah, for those of us listening that maybe aren't completely up on what Ethan does, we'll use this as a way to talk about something that's, I find interesting. And that's kind of what we want this podcast to be is, is, uh, things that are interesting that you would maybe talk about just with your friends or you would sit around and talk about with a, with a buddy and, um, as opposed to having it be all scripted of, you know, what do you think about this and what do you think about that? Let's talk about some few things that are going on in people's lives. So with the comedy stuff, Ethan, you just mentioned it of having to come back when things started to take a different turn. Mm-hmm. What were you doing and where were you?
0: I was in L.A. I, I spent a lot of time uh, based at Edmonton, but I spent a lot of time in New York and L.A. And this time I was in L.A., uh, and it was it was really cool because it was getting a, a lot of doors open in certain ways like just be passed at some of the better clubs there that was pretty cool like i went down for a showcase at the laugh factory and the book really liked it so i was kind of on their little radar if they're going to have me start doing the long beach and san diego club when those open and more spots at the la ones i was really psyched about that got in with the improv was even uh just not a huge success i don't want to overblow any of the things, and also I cannot say anything without diminishing myself, and I'm incapable of giving myself credit, but at the Comedy Store, which is the the big one, the big, big one there, there were a few things suggesting I was on their radar as well, which was really exciting, and then some of the smaller clubs that the Big Three are kind of Laugh Factory Improv Comedy Store, so I was doing that sort of thing, and you just kind of go down to LA to get your name out there, essentially, like, I treat it as doing comedy, in Edmonton is like the gym, and it's, you know, I don't want to be... Condescending because Edmonton's fantastic in a lot of ways for comedy, but the ceiling's very low. And when you're doing paid work or clubs or anything, you obviously bring it. But most of the time, I'm working on material and trying to polish new ideas or just sort through things. But then when I go to New York or LA, it's really go time and more opportunity comes of that. So I was kind of in the midst of that in LA. But then I was doing this one show. It's like this really cool show at this mansion in the valley. And it's normally just packed out. And it was a good crowd and stuff. And it was a really, really solid lineup. And the Booker was just like, oh, man, I think this, I think this Corona thing might actually be real because it was sold out and like half capacity showed up, and then sure enough, the next day, like the NBA got shut down and stuff, mm-hmm. and it just started getting really crazy. And I was talking to Kayla, I was like, I think I got to come home, and then right. that day, all the clubs shut down mm-hmm. and it's been closed since. So yeah, I was I was in the midst trying to do the whole LA thing, and it, it was it was going pretty well, which could have made it well did make it in a lot of ways really frustrating, but. Obviously, not being able to tell jokes on a stage in L.A. is a hell of a lot. Is not the worst situation compared to what other people have gone through.
1: That wasn't your first experience in L.A., though, was it? No. Good Lord, no. How many times have you been down there for comedy?
0: I've been to L.A. Uh, I think five times for comedy. I was spending a lot more time and spending a lot more time in New York. But then it's just... It's kind of like broken up. So if you're doing... Just pure stand-up is more of a New York thing, and that's kind of what I fancied myself with an interest of writing. And I thought my style of comedy, because it's not very, like, out there. I'm not, like, just chest puffed out doing all these wild acts and just being kind of like a cool, good-looking dude up there that, you know, whatever. That That's kind of more of the stigma against L.A. comics, whereas I just kind of stand there and say my jokes. And that really fits... New York well but I was realizing more and more I want to pursue the the writing stuff and that's where the writing rooms are so I figured why not go down to LA and give that more of a go
1: so when you're on these trips how long uh how long are you generally down there for what what would you say like a schedule is of how many shows you work and 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 what would be the extent of of your stay down there
0: well it really depends because again in New York it's like you can do so many more spots because there's so many more clubs and it's easier to get around just by the train, whereas with LA, there are fewer clubs and they're just not booked the same. And if, if you get like one or two spots in a night in LA, like that's pretty good, but you could also have four or five days in between with no shows. So when you're visiting, you can, you can pack them in a lot mm-hmm. tighter. So I'm probably doing a show, maybe two shows a night in LA, whereas New York, it's closer to like two to four shows a night. And it'll always be like kind of like pretty much at the end of the year it'll all add up to be like four or five months out of the year mm-hmm. i'm down there but with how things are now that's not happening anytime soon because if clubs open up it's going to be limited capacity um and then getting back to canada you, who knows about the quarantine doing two weeks so it's just it's just uh canada for the foreseeable future now mm-hmm. yeah
1: where would you say in canada has uh, has a pretty good comedy scene
0: I would say the obvious ones are Vancouver and Toronto, just by virtue of being the biggest cities and having more of an entertainment industry. We obviously... That, that's the whole thing with Canadian comics, a lot of them, not all. But a lot of them, the whole goal is to get to a point where you can get your American visa. So it's like, all right, now I can finally capitalize mm-hmm. on being good at comedy. And that's telling because a lot of Americans will say so when you go down there, they'll be like, shit, God, like another Canadian comic, like you're you guys are funny you're good and so much of that has to do is I think a lot of Canadian comics do it just because they enjoy it they don't see it as like well I'll get famous from this like so-and-so did because he did it for a year and got cast on the show or something so they a lot of people myself included at times think in some of the American comics right or wrong who are, do it for whatever reason you want but are doing it more so of like this is an avenue to fame whereas Canadian comics are kind of like no this is the outlet and this is the thing I'm I'm really into. So Vancouver and Toronto both benefit from that a little bit, but honestly, Edmonton has a great reputation that people that come through here are always really surprised. Cause we have a lot of really good indie shows, two good clubs, one club, which is literally probably the worst comedy club in the world, but it's hilarious for that reason. Um, so I would, I would realistically say Vancouver, Toronto and Edmonton are probably the top three comedy cities in Canada.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, you recorded a comedy album. Oh, yeah. When did you feel like your material had gotten to a point where you felt I could do an album and I have enough to maybe fill 45 minutes, 50 minutes of time?
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, because you've
1: been at this longer than I think probably people think. Like, yeah. you started doing it, you kind of kept it under the radar, mm-hmm. you took time to find a comfort level with it and and those types of things and develop material over time but when did you feel like it got to a point where you could say I want to record something and I want it to be more than just maybe a set I wanted to have it be like a feature
0: right yeah it's it's a good question because the first time I did comedy was 10 years ago and there just weren't as many shows at that point so I would kind of like put my name on these lists and every time you're you were booked for that's just essentially how it worked i'd go and do these shows so it wasn't very often and then i was still in school and playing basketball and stuff so it wasn't a top priority i wasn't one of those guys that just starts comedy and this is my life now which a lot of people especially in the bigger cities like new york or toronto will do um so i was just kind of like you said plugging away at it under the radar then when i finished school and finished basketball i was so bored and just devoid of anything to do got back into it and like most comics you think you're so much better than you really are like You'll get a few sets that go pretty well, and you're like, "Man, like this isn't that hard." And then, you bomb inevitably, and then you listen back to stuff now, and you're like, "Wow, I was terrible." Mm-hmm. And that's like the shitty, but also exciting thing about comedy is each time you get to this point, you're like, "Wow, I've I've really turned a corner here." And you listen back a year later, when you're if you've been going about it the same way better than you were at that point, you're like, "Oh, I kind of sucked." So, that being said, listening to my album for me, I can enjoy it and I can appreciate it, but it's at, it's rough at times where I just I could have had the most flawless perfectly recorded and performed album of all time. And I'd still have a really hard time listening to it. I didn't really get to a point where I was like, well, I'm just, I'm a pro now. I'm, I need to have my own album out there. But it did mainly for me, what it honestly was is a lot of my material that I was focusing on was kind of like social racial stuff. And it was as a liberal white guy, instead of just always making fun of those dumbass conservatives and just like, man, Trump's such an idiot and not not even getting laughter, but just people applauding because they agree with your point. I hadn't seen a lot of people do this and I was doing it more from the other perspective as a liberal white guy I think we are just so full of shit Mm. and I just kind of felt like I think this is going to be a little more common soon than it is right now so it was almost like I just want proof that I was ahead of the game on this that I wasn't just joining in so that's the main reason I recorded in November of 2018 but it was great it it worked out well enough I, I did it at the Grindstone Theater in Edmonton it was a great turnout and Uh, everybody it was a fantastic crowd and then a label in New Jersey really liked it and um it's 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 been great for me and I'm really really glad I did it but I'm also so excited for when it's an option and I feel I have enough new material like an hour's worth of good stuff I'm really confident with to record a new one because I'd learned so much from that first one
1: I'd imagine comedy is like anything else like and we'll use basketball as the as the parallel which is probably not a big shock But when you're in basketball, you, you, you usually, you play a certain way, you have strengths, uh, you then gravitate towards players who play like you. And then you watch people who maybe can do things that you are able to do and, and maybe a little bit more. So you try to copy moves or you work at things that you see who are, who are people that, uh, you've looked to as inspiration or how you maybe want to like model yourself after yeah. or, or do you have any of that
0: i do i do it's uh when i first was like really really getting into it so i've been doing it for a few years but i still like i didn't have the confidence to tell anyone Yeah. um but when i just kind of acknowledged like yes i'm pursuing stand-up uh, nate Bergazzi was a huge one for me because i kind of felt like I was like, I'm some boring married guy. I wasn't married then, but I may as well have been. I was like, no one finds me. if I don't have any crazy stories. And then his whole thing was kind of being like an everyman. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, because I'm really not like that at all anymore as a comic, but that's what I needed to see to be like, oh, that's possible. Mm -hmm. You can just be like a mild-mannered, not crazy, wacky, screaming, shock value jokes to be a comic. And the other guy was Mark Normand. I just thought... I've I've opened for him before and it was such like it's it was an honor honestly I think he might be the funniest just joke writer in the world um he's so much same like kind of just stand there tells a lot of jokes and and the other thing was for me these things that were interesting me but I felt like I can't say any of that it was about like racial and social stuff so it encouraged me I was like oh no I can do that too um and the last one would probably be uh Andrew Santino he's he's uh he's a friend, and he's he's been really good to me, and uh, we communicate, and gives me a lot of advice, and um, he he's definitely kind of like my mentor in comedy, I guess if you'd say right now. So it's good to have those things because before relating it to basketball, I was like, nah this is just me. Mm-hmm. It's all like uh, you, there is no dynamic like that in comedy. But the more I've embraced those kind of things, it's it makes it easier.
1: I think you hit on a pretty important point there. For anyone that wants to be successful at something you're going to need mentorship. You're going to need people to show you the ropes, give you advice. That doesn't mean that you don't at some point even pass them or, and it also doesn't mean that you like lift material or try and be a, 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 your own version of them. You need people to help you figure things out that you're not going to either see coming or maybe it can even be one of those things where it's like, Hey, these are the mistakes that I made. Yeah, that you can hopefully avoid if I give you the right advice because I didn't get it. One thing that I always thought was interesting with basketball, and I don't know enough if enough people do this, and I'm imagining comedy would be the same. Well, I think doing anything well is the same. If you want to do something, you got to learn everything you can about it. Yeah, And you're going to miss stuff. And it doesn't mean that you have to become a historian. But if you want to be good at basketball you better figure out who was good at basketball before you. Yeah. You better figure out who's good at basketball now. And I'm not talking about low-hanging fruit. I'm not talking about the NBA or like, well, I just want to play like Steph or I want to be like James Harden. No, no, no. You got to learn about who was good in your area. Yeah. How did they do it? Where did they play? What did they do? And you got to figure out how that connects to you. You got to ask a lot of questions. You have to be yeah. willing to have that level of humility that is probably tough in any area that requires you to project confidence all yeah. the time. Basketball is like that. When you go on the court, people can see guys that look like they have huge levels of self-doubt. I've only been to a few comedy shows. Yeah. But you can tell when people are nervous. Oh, And man. you can tell when people get up there and they're feeling good. And then that first joke doesn't go over the way that they wanted it to go over. And you can just see it register on their face of like, oh, oh shit, I got five of minutes of left of this. Oh dude. So believe me. What I'm what I think is great in hearing what you talk about that is, is there's guys, and I mean, for anyone who's listening, I'm assuming you would imagine when a comedian's talking about comedy of like, well, who do you pattern your game after? It would be like, oh I'm Bill Burr. Yeah. Or, you know, Dave Chappelle or any of the guys that have like gigantic comedy features on Netflix right now. Yeah. And that's what's cool about it because if I was to tell you the equivalent for basketball, it was like, well, who do you who do you look to to help with your game? Well, growing up, like it's a really under the radar thing, but like I loved watching Alan Houston. He had a yeah, he had yeah. a crazy mid range game. His jabs his jab game was incredible, and he was a really good shooter. Yeah, but he was a guy that like I, I wasn't athletic as athletic as, but he had this way of keeping guys off balance. So the low hanging fruit thing would be. Well, you just you know you're a white guy you can shoot. You must have just watched Larry Bird all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I was four when Larry Bird had yeah. his best season, <laughs> so no. Um, but Good point. I, I like that's. I think that's cool. What you're talking about with comedy because the guys that you're mentioning, I've heard you mention them before, but I can't imagine for listeners of being like, I know that guy. No, saw him on a huge thing on HBO.
0: Yeah, I feel if you're a comedy fan, if you're like a stand-up fan, you probably know who they are. But if you're just like, yeah, I casually enjoy stand-up, you probably don't. And that's, the thing, that's a really telling thing with the industry of some of the people who are like, oh, that guy's fucking huge. Like, he is such a big deal. If I can just get to that level and then you you ask a friend, like, you know who that guy is? They're like, no, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It's just the nature of that industry. And and I think you're right, man. I think um, it's it's so good to see what's going on around you to not just focus on yourself. Because a lot of comps say, like, I just don't watch any stand-up because I'm just going to do my thing. Like, hey, fair. To a certain degree, I understand. I don't like watching stand-up specials because – to me, if it's not live and you're not in the environment, it just is really lessened. But one of the coolest things about being in New York and L.A., especially when you're like, you know, you're past at some clubs and you can hang out there. Even if you're not past, you can still hang out there. I shouldn't say that. Um, But it's going and seeing some of the comics you've probably never heard of. Some of that are at your level. Some are a little bit higher. And being like, Jesus Christ, this guy's fucking so funnier. Um, what was her name? Emily, oh shit, Emily Blot? Emmy Blotnick. I'm sorry. I saw her at the Comedy Cellar, which I'm not past at, just to be clear. And she was unbelievable. So funny. I had no idea who she was. And she had all these really good credits of like late night writer for this or whatever, I believe. That's one of the coolest parts. And it is really inspiring. I think that is where you learn stuff. So you're not not stealing anyone's jokes or anyone's mannerisms. Like I would like to think that I am just essentially myself up there. And by being myself, there's only one of me. So it's unique in some way or another. Um, But it's just the little things you pick up of like, Oh, he played like as simple as he he placed the mic stand that mm-hmm. much further behind because now it's not distracting at all. Or, you know, how often does he look at his notes? Like what's acceptable to look at your notes because you're, you're working on stuff here too. But some people get put off by that. How many people have that? And this for me, I'm still young in the game, relatively speaking. So, so much to learn. And the last thing I want to do is like I've written any kind of book in comedy, but it is fun when you get to those points of. To what you said, when you're first starting a special, maybe get your first uh, booked weekend as a feature at a comedy club and just terrified because there's 300 people there sure. and it's sold out on a Saturday sure. night show and everyone's drunk. And I'm not confident that this is going to go well yet. And they can tell. Like, I got heckled one time at the comic strip, which happens a lot, <laughs> um, literally before I even said a word. I got up there and the, the host, the MC, murdered should not have been MCing. Like He's a headliner, but he was MCing killed. And I got up, literally took the mic out of the stand, and this guy stood up and yawned, and it just was like deadly silent. And he was like, yeah, that's time for a smoke break. And everyone started laughing at me. Oh, so no. literally 10 seconds in is a pretty new comic. It was like, oh, it's over. And I have to be up here for 20 minutes mm-hmm. trying to earn their trust back. And I didn't, because I wasn't able to. But it's super fun now, and it sounds arrogant, but to kind of be at a point where just like, It's not that I don't care. I want them to enjoy themselves. But I know what I'm trying to get out of it, too, for a long haul kind of thing, which probably isn't the best mindset, but it's what I do. And I'm like, yeah, if you laugh, cool. If you don't, I really don't care. And I think people in a weird way appreciate that. So they laugh more with you because they're like they believe that you believe you're funny as Mm -hmm. opposed to. Oh God! I hope you guys think I'm funny. I'm gonna try a few jokes and run a bio, and it's like, I'll get this guy the fuck off the stage. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah, the vibe. Where's the confidence? Yeah.
1: Um. It's one thing I think that's lost on a lot of, on a lot of people, and you you hit it right on the on the head. I don't. I I hate watching myself with basketball. Like I I just cannot stand it. But I do love watching basketball. Yeah. So I do feel like. At some point, you got to bite the bullet and watch yourself, because how are you gonna how are you gonna learn? Yeah. But also watching it as well is what are you gonna learn from how other people approach? And like you said, it isn't gonna be about wow, what a great dunk or what a great three. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the movement on the court of how guys set people up. Yeah. It's gonna be how guys like how do you get to that point? Make to hit eye that con- three. Yeah, yeah, how they make eye contact. It's yeah. these little things that are tricks of the trade that yeah. go so unnoticed. And what you hit on of being at shows is the level of humility that this should teach you when you start thinking you're good. And when you start kind of feeling yourself a little bit too hard, when you hang around gyms a little bit longer, when you go different places, when you step outside of what's comfortable, if you're not hanging around, you're kind of living in a pretty fragile world of I'm great. I'm not checking anybody else's stuff out. I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden you're up against this stuff oh, and you're man. like, man, I had no idea. So yeah, I'm really not that good, actually. Yeah. Well, totally. And it's a big learning experience because what you learn right away is a huge appreciation for there's funny people mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. There's really good basketball players that nobody's heard of everywhere. Like when I when I played my first year overseas in Switzerland, and I'm coming from a a division one school. I led the nation in a statistical category. I, I had the three point record yeah. in NCAA. People knew who I was. Totally. And I came over to the small team in Bancourt, Switzerland, and I had a really good year. And when I came back, I mean, it's not like anyone here knew what was going on in Switzerland for ball. It's not a right. gigantic basketball country. And there were guys in that league where it's like, Hey, what's the biggest takeaway from, from this season? There are dudes that you've never heard of that are really good yeah and you you will never hear of them totally there's just these guys that have just made careers out of playing basketball that are tricky that are smart that are strong that are can shoot and they've just so when you tell people like what do I got to do to play overseas you have to be good because there's guys that you're gonna fall up against that you're like this guy played at this small school I never heard of them and they'll just bust your ass so I mean that's one of the best takeaways, I think, when you do anything yeah. is, oh, I don't like to watch comedy specials. Okay. I don't like to stick around and watch the games. Okay. Yeah. But it does give you an awful good appreciation very quickly when you're just like, ooh, these, these guys are good. Yeah. I got to make sure I'm better because if I'm better, okay, I'll take my chances. Totally. But if I'm living in that world where it's like, guys, trash, I'm good.
0: There's some ca- caveats because with comedy – um yeah you know what fuck it it's our podcast and say whatever the hell i want that i love comedy i appreciate so much about comedy but i fucking hate stand-up comedy too in mm-hmm. so many ways it because it, it's such an all-encompassing thing where i think a lot of comics would agree for whatever reason with this thing it starts to define you it's everything mm-hmm. it's a drug honestly the high you get from it consumes you and in a lot of times i found myself in circumstances where even if i'm on the road for like a paid show if it's decently paid or whatever i'm like what the fuck am i doing mm. it's a saturday night and i'm in this small little town it's freezing i'm in this hotel where there's no wi-fi and i'm just gonna go do a show two shows for a bunch of drunk people who don't give a shit what i have to say i'm like this is miserable this is so stupid and then you start having to fall into the. Well, i ranted about this few weeks ago like your value as a human being gets associated with like your followers and the content you're pushing. And it comes like, is this even about stand up at that point? But you get sucked into it and the high is still what it is. And then you could have 10 terrible shows be rejected 10 times, but you get that one validation. You're like, oh, I can't quit. And I, I've at times I felt like, yeah, it's this addiction that I have spent a lot of money on and traveled all over for just to get my fix. And it's tough with comedy in ways because a thing i miss about basketball times i'm not a black and white thinker i really appreciate when things have all sorts of shades of gray but at times with comedy like god damn i wish there was a bit more of a metric here because Mm -hmm. it's only subjective with basketball can be like well i can point to why this player is better because say they're the same position they matched up against each other this team won he had uh his usage rate was higher he had more points he was more efficient, more rebounds. The the other guy had less of everything, shot worse, so it stands to reason maybe he's a better defender. You know what I mean? And then you can just judge it off that, whereas comedy, so much of it can be another point with the confidence. It's great to be confident, but then there are some comics where that's all it is. It's this really cool-looking dude who fits the bill of what it's like to be like a Hollywood guy. He's got the really baggy shirts and the bomber jacket, and his jeans are up, and his uh, socks are kind of showing and he doesn't really say anything, but he is so fucking confident yeah. that people just laugh anyways. And it's t- it's like you don't want to wish they don't get success, but there are times I know I have felt this way. I know other comics feel this way where are just like, the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. Where it's an interesting profession and industry where you don't have to technically be good at it to be wildly successful. You know what I mean? And it, it, that's where the subjective thing comes in. Because for me, what I'm interested in are interesting takes on stuff, but formulated in a joke where it's set up punchline. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a knock-knock thing, but I like to have punchlines in there. That's what I get a kick out of. I find act-outs. So if a guy um, is just like, so I'm drinking water, and then has to act out obnoxiously drinking water, and then people start laughing. So they just tell a very mundane story, but act out every motion, and the crowd is losing their shit. It's pretentious to me and snobby, but I'm like, oh, yeah, these people are dumb. Whereas, like, criticisms that I've heard before of me, is like, you don't walk around on stage enough. And I'm just like, how does that make the joke better? Mm. And I get it. It's more engaging. It's more entertaining. And I do need to improve that. But I'm like, I want the words to speak for themselves. And I've, I've sometimes been too stubborn with that. Yeah. And it's been a downfall for me. But that's, it, you're, you're right. But I also think the confidence thing can really bite you in the ass and come to you. Because you can way too quickly get way too confident. I agree.
1: I think the irrational confidence guy, there is a ceiling on that because at some point you're going to not do well. Totally. At some point you're going to be criticized. And the irrational confidence guy, the irrational confidence guys that I've played with, they at some point tap out because they just don't want to hear anything from anybody. And it's great because they get, you see how like bad games don't affect them the same way that it might affect you they don't maybe stay after practice to get yeah. shots up the same way because they're not sweating. And it's like, well, when you're, it's been touched on by other people. When you're a shooter and you don't follow your routines and you don't do your extra shooting, you panic. You have these moments where you're like, Oh my God, I'm not prepared. I didn't go through my, I didn't make my X amount of free yeah. throws. I didn't make my X amount of threes. I didn't make them off the move. I did didn't feel good doing these couple yeah. of shots. That means all the stuff I've done up to that point, you could have had a great week, a great month. And yeah. you have this day where it's like, yeah. crap, it's it's all fucked. I'm, I'm I'm screwed. I'm not prepared. Yeah. And it's like one thing negates 50 things. Yes. So those irrational confidence guys, you're almost envious of them because you look at it and you're just like, God, I wish I could just like go to practice, do it. If I needed to stay afterwards, I'd get some stuff done. If I don't, yeah. it's not affecting my my confidence and my abilities at all.
0: I would kill for irrational confidence yeah. at times. My perspective with COVID is very different. Having just talking about the addiction, just cold turkey, you're off the drug. Yep. You go through the withdrawal, but now having a different perspective. On it, I still love it. And I'm still going to be doing it. But my perspective shifting, I'll probably elaborate on that another time. But to your point as well. The thing with basketball is because it's not subjective, one way or another, it's going to expose itself. So if you got a guy that comes in and he's – let's just talk your hood rat white boy who thinks he can hoop a little bit. He comes in with the chin strap. He's got the fade. He, he's he got all the accessories, and he just conducts himself with so much confidence. At first, you're going to be like, okay. Maybe then you see him play. And you're like, oh, this guy fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And even if it is, like they have like a following and they're like a driller, ball-handling instructor – the game speaks for itself. So when you get out there and you just torch him or he gets his ass busted, you're like, yeah, this guy's a clown. Whereas with comedy, kind of doesn't matter because you will see some comics who just like, you, they go on stage and either like they might kill and from your snobby, pretentious comic mindset, be like, oh, he's such a hack. It's just lowest common denominator shit or doesn't do all that well, but they look like, have a good following, get booked for tons of shit. And I, at times, if I'm being fully honest, have been pissed about it. It's not that I think I should be further than I am, but I'm a guy who... Yeah, I'll pat myself on the back. Kind of, I'd probably use that analogy of the guy you haven't heard of, but will give you business. Like, I don't have a following. I know that. And that's fine. But every city I go to, there's usually some good comics being like, how do I not know who you are? And it's it's a funny thing, because like I was saying, using Edmonton as the gym, I have no problem in Edmonton going up and doing a 10-minute set of entirely new jokes that I haven't even really thought out and bombing in silence for 10 minutes. Like, my thing used to be I was really steady. I never bombed. But I also, every room I went to, I was like, I know this joke will go well and I need them to laugh. Whereas now I'm like, well, no, I need to build my act. I need to get to that point where I can record another. The only way I'm going to do that is realizing like, oh, that was shit. That was funny up until I added that one line. Get rid of that. It's going to be funnier if you just edit it down. So I have no problem going up for 10 minutes of silence and feel like, damn, I got something out of that because I feel it's like, I'm not going to go to the gym and be like, I got to shoot a hundred percent. So I'm just only going to shoot layups. And tell people i didn't miss it's like well yeah because you didn't try so i'll bomb but then when i go to new york and la and i say like so through that i'm feeling confident like i will give myself a pat on the back there's a reason i was asked to headline carolines there's a reason as an edmonton guy i'm passed at multiple good new york and la clubs and i've had some pretty cool opportunities get thrown away and some that were in the works that got squandered by covid whatever um and, and, and that's that's what excites me about times about comedy because it gives me my fix that I had with basketball, of that approach. And for some guys, I think I work hard at it. I know I work hard at it. I busted my ass at comedy. And I think I've gone about in a good, respectful way towards other people. And I've respected the process. And everybody do what they want. But just like basketball, you see those people who get off to a hot start maybe. I got figure it figured out now. I'm the fucking man. It's just like, well, now you look like a dick and you're not too. Because believe me, when I've had those experiences where I think I'm at a point I'm not and then with trying, not feeling comfortable, silence, bomb yeah. hard, yeah. holy hell.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, that, that makes sense. It's, it's definitely a layered thing because you do want, I think, your act or how you play to be somewhat of a reflection of you as a person. So if, you're, so if you're inauthentic, it's going to be really hard to maintain that.
0: It'd be really hard for me to go up and be a bro mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, doing act outs and humping the stool and doing the worm and handstands or something, just talking, it's fucking crazy. You know, are we partying tonight or what? Then they go party with me after I'm just like, hello, thank you for coming to the show. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I'm not funny outside of comedy. Like when I'm around people I'm comfortable with, I am, but there have been a lot of people who say like friends of my wife will meet me and I, I can be a bit shy it takes me a while to warm up and i'm just doing that like hello it's great to meet you and then they're like asking like he he's funny yeah but someone from high school was at a show and they're like you're doing this like yeah And like you're not funny though and i was like all right well that's good encouragement before thank you set. Yeah.
1: thanks no i i hear what you're saying um if you do the inauthentic version of yourself it's too much effort to maintain it because like you said then you're putting all this effort towards playing a character as opposed to being what you feel like is is best version of yourself and like it is with with anything else when things are going great we're always amazing people we're always these amazing versions of ourselves when things are going bad it's like oh my god like this guy is a total train wreck trust me
0: i've had the nights where i'm in new york or la and like i said i'm i'm at a place now where i am a professional comic and i get paid to do it and ask to do it for money and that's pretty cool and I, I sometimes need to remind myself of that just to be like that's good because my immediate instinct is like oh you're a fucking idiot this is a mistake they they think they probably thought you were someone a funnier mm-hmm. you um, a funnier person with your same name or whatever but I've had those nights where it's, it's the stars align you have a great show you meet this guy, this so-and-so approaches you, it's fucking whatever. It's just the best thing in your life. Then I've had the times where it's like, yeah, that show didn't go well, and now it's cool, I'm in L.A. I'm also airbnb being a trailer, and I'm by myself at 10 o'clock. Then a trailer I don't fit in, missing my wife and friends and stuff. i mean, like, yeah. like, well, this fucking sucks too. It's an interesting thing with comedy where it's not just comedy. I'm sure this applies to a lot of things, but the only thing I can speak to is comedy. It's, it's hard not to get sucked into that, though this is me because – I will never refer to my brand or say I have a brand, even if I got to a point where I'm this wildly successful comedian. Fuck that. I will never mention my brand. I hate that. But that's kind of like a 24-hour job. Here's the way I see it like comedy. In a lot of ways, we're salesmen, and the product is ourself. And we're cold-calling a lot of people who are not interested constantly. And so – and and it goes hand-in-hand hand with that social media bullshit. If you constantly need to be showing what you're doing and how you're hilarious and why your life is so exciting to let people know fans, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, he's he's this level of comic, i go see him. Or to other comics, because comics for sure do this, is just a dick-wagging contest of trying to be like, see how fucking cool I am right now? Like I had that realization when I was in L.A., and i don't mean to be doing it by bragging about not doing it but i had some really cool nights where i was like at the comedy store hanging out with some of the biggest comics in the green room and it occurred to me with zero interest in doing it i was like if i took a picture right now and tagged everybody in my story that i would get so much respect from comics but why it's so fucking stupid but it's so easy to get lost in like like a wrestler almost like this is my persona and my shtick. so i'm just going to be this all the time for me it's like you still got to be a real human being you still got to worry about all the other stuff even if comedy defines you and that's what covid's forced you in this perspective think about like what's really important in life how do i be a balanced person how do i be a good husband a good friend all that stuff and comedy is still very important to me i love comedy i'm going to continue to do it but I've also realized this is not the most important thing in the world. As a matter of fact, in the grand scheme of things, it's very un- insignificant. It's okay, but it's not going to be the focal point of life either.
1: That's fair. I think maybe that that would be one of the conclusions you could come to once you've actually done it. that That's always, an, that's always a, something that's interesting to me, people who have concrete conclusions based on not fully committing something themselves to something
0: yeah i I can i do get a little irritated and only a little but if if someone's going to tell me the ins and outs of how it works in la and new york comedy and it's like you've never been there you've never done a show there so like don't that's cool if that's what you think but don't matter of fact tell me that when it's actually just like no you don't know who the booker of that club is you don't know what you're talking about
1: yeah very much so it's a fun thing for people to rush to to do the let me tell you something speech but if you're fully committed to something then you, I think you're giving yourself the chance to really form hard hard opinions yeah. about it. But that only comes from from investing. And that only comes from starting at a level where you have to work your way up.
0: And you get that so much with basketball. And I will say, because we probably get out of here in a minute and have one question to you before we go. But sure. something that... I will shit on comedy a lot for the frustration that it gives me knowing no one's asked me to do it. I bring it on myself, but I shit on comedy a lot as much as I love it. What I will say though, something I'm so grateful for is I had it a bit with basketball and we'll talk about this in another episode too, but my basketball experience was very different than yours. And I had to work really hard to get to the point I was when it finally ended, but it just never felt a hundred percent like, i mean, going use the word pure. Like there was something about it that was always a little jaded for me. Whereas yeah. with comedy... Like, just by virtue of being a sir, I felt there was always going to be the doubt of nepotism when it came to basketball, right or wrong, probably at times right. When I was at the end an all Canadian, no, that wasn't nepotism. Uh But there was always, that was always there. Whereas comedy for me has been the thing I've invested so much into and without any outside help have just, what I've been doing and like the kind of trajectory I think I'm on. Is just because I've done it and I can confidently, it's the only thing, say, like, I have busted my ass at this and I think I've done it the right way. There's (laughs) nothing else I can honestly say that about. And I know you can say the exact same thing about basketball. Well, I'm sure there's still the idiots who be like, oh, it's only because your dad. It's like, yeah, our dad made you the all-time leader in ncaa three-point shooting percentage you fucking idiot but you know what i mean like the work you've put in
1: yeah and i've heard that for other people too where you know if 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 you're the son or daughter of a coach there's going to be a rush for people to say yeah but the only reason you had that is because of this and the only reason you played a lot is because your dad is, is the coach or The only reason that you do this is because they called in a favor with somebody else. I remember hearing that about when I had a chance to go play for the Bucks a few years back. And it was like someone was sitting next to somebody at the Savile Center. And I think you were playing men's league. (laughs) And someone was watching. They were like, hey, man, did you hear that that guy's brother went and played for an NBA team? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then someone was, yeah, but the only reason that happened is because his dad, like, Works at Basketball Alberta, and it's like that doesn't make much yeah. sense. I think people overestimate how much power ABA has. Yeah, I don't
0: know how many times the Bucks is calling the Alberta Basketball Association. Like, you got any prospects? We could can pick you out? send us a player? Yeah, yeah it, it's it's
1: thin <laughs> that that fun. call hasn't happened a lot. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, I feel but... like we should
0: probably get out so I don't get too long, but I do want to ask one last question if you're cool with that. No, yeah. I will give my best bombing story. Can you give an equivalent for basketball? Yeah. Can you think of one or do you want me to go
1: first? Like on the spot?
0: Yeah. Now? Actually, okay, You because we're talking about you next week with 3x3. Yeah. Think of your best bombing story because, believe me, this is the most credit I've given myself in 10 years, and I just feel like I need to shower now, so we need to end on some self-deprecating. All right. Um, right. I've had some some great shows, and some of the most exciting nights of my life have been through comedy, but holy hell, some of the nightmares even at the time were pretty damn funny pretty sobering and a little sad but the first bomb I had was I went to the comedy factory in Gateway Bowling Lanes in Empton legitimately go on the website go to comedyfactory.com or the comedyfactory.com it's hilarious just look at the website and be like oh I get it the worst and I went there and just did like a five minute spot one night killed murdered and I'm like a month in so I think I'm like well I'm ready for my comedy central half hour right and the the Booker, with air quotes, he's like, "Why don't you come back tomorrow night?" And I was like, "Absolutely, Bob. Trust me, it'd be an honor and a pleasure." I come back, say word for word the same thing, literally not one laugh the whole time. So I, I that was my first experience with the, the coveted bomb. But then the worst one I've told people this before is I, I just uh, one of the things I did that I think was really smart is when i knew i wasn't ready to be like some kind of club headliner obviously but i just booked a bunch of indie shows throughout the midwest and i just spent the whole month driving like literally from like ames iowa to madison wisconsin down to wichita and that's all i did but i did this one in coon rapids minnesota at this bar willies and it was i was closing it out it's for a little money so i was excited but uh it was a hike from where i was staying and i was like oh god this doesn't look like. A good area at all. And I get in there and it's not even a show. It's a glorified open mic at like 11 PM. So no one's paying attention. It's just comics looking at their notes and a couple of really sad looking dudes at the drunk—sorry, uh, at the bar just wasted. So drunk. No one's laughing at anything in the front. Like, yeah, go up and do 25 minutes. And I'm like, all right, fuck it, whatever. And like, it's going fine. All things considered. And then 10 minutes into it, I just hear this guy yell, tell a fucking joke. And I was like, what? And this guy is not like he doesn't find me funny. He hates me to my core. Yeah. And he's like, tell a fucking joke. You haven't said one fucking funny thing all night. And I was like, good Lord. So I, I just see him as a heckler. And I start giving it back to him because that's something I actually am reasonably good at. And I thought I was saying some funny stuff and I'm looking at in the comics and they all have like their heads down looking really scared. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I looked at the guy in the place called Willie's. The big sign is just this like animated head and the the, the brim of his hat is so insanely curved. And it's just this blonde guy smiling. And I look at this guy and he has an insanely curved brim hat. And I was like, are you Willy And he was the owner of the bar and he hated me so much that while it was going, he starts yelling. He's like, we're never doing a comedy show again. This show's over because of you. Wow. And then the security guard literally had to come in between the stage because he was charging me. And I was just like, okay, this isn't funny. I need to get the fuck out of here. So I like got my little bit of money um, left the security guards like holding it back. And I'm like, I'm not waiting around to talk to any of the cops. I'm peeling out. Then he and like four of his buds as I'm leaving, like run out, like something out of a movie, like at roadhouse. And they're all like looking around frantically. They were just going to beat the shit out of me. Cause they thought my jokes about like moonwalking was just next level hate worthy. So if anyone's listening to this and thinking like, you know what? I really want to get into comedy. I'm like, just prepare yourself for it. maybe not that bad. Cause I don't know what I did.
1: But yeah, that's a bad one. I didn't it re- wasn't I, good. No, that's a bad one. Man.
0: You have to be a special kind of lunatic to do comedy to do that and be like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this.
1: Yeah, that's... It's
0: a special kind of psychosis.
1: That's a rough go with Willie. Well,
0: I appreciate you talking about uh, comedy with me. Hopefully, if you're uh, you're not familiar with us, we kind of thought we'd take these next two episodes to let you get to know us a little bit more, because next week, we're going to talk a lot about Steve's current 3X3 career, and obviously, I want to touch on... All the stuff that has led up to it, because Steve has pretty damn impressive basketball career, especially from a guy from Minneapolis slash Edmonton. So, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for talking about that, man. That was that was fun for me to actually talk about comedy for the first time in like six months.
1: No, it was good. I I was there's a couple things in there that I didn't know, and I think it's good to share with anyone what is a passion and why you pursue something and how it doesn't always go according to plan. It's not always something that you think this is not going to go how you think it's going to go all the time and how you have to kind of, you have to adjust and, uh, get yourself back together and, and, and just keep going if it means that much to you. So I'm glad we talked about it. It was all interesting. So, um, yeah, we'll come back next week. We'll talk a little bit more basketball. There's a rumor going around that Edmonton is going to be selected as the west location for the NHL. So we spent a good portion of last week's episode uh, making fun of Jason Kenny's video, but he did it. Tip of the hat to him. And maybe it's also the people who made the decisions didn't understand that all those beautiful mountains aren't actually in Edmonton. So Gorgeous. they might be... They might be a little surprised when they God's get here. Country. Yeah. Got country. A
0: lot of skiing going on when they get up here. Yeah, they're um, they're going to have the skis ready right when they get off the plane. So, but Thank hey. you guys for listening. As Steve is saying, any feedback, please. Love hearing it, except for those fucking low-life guys who were just grilling me yesterday. I'm kidding. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, leave the feedback. Subscribe. Share. We really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe this weekend out there if you're an American and give her shit.